You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Got to start it off today with a, um, a brief shout out to Scott Hall. I'm not in the wrestling game anymore. I haven't watched wrestling in a long time. I'm not interested in it. I think I've referenced on the show before that um, around the time it went from WWF to WWE, had a hard time staying in it, man. To this day, I don't like it. Sometimes I just call it WWF because WWE is, is and always will be stupid. But um, him passing away, and I, I still, for some reason, I get real into like wrestling documentaries, and I don't know why everyone, I've binged several of them. Um, something about those guys and their lives and everything else. Um, Scott Hall obviously has been in a bad way for a very, very long time. Um, one of very, very many tragic stories. Um, to come out of that industry. But, um, you know, even though it's, geez, I don't know, been like 20, 25 years since I've cared even a little bit about wrestling, sort of like a little part of my childhood is gone, you know? Sort of like when an actor dies or something, even if they haven't been in a movie that I've watched in a long time. Just the image, you know, the, the, I had all the wrestling action figures and the wrestling pillows. And I feel like everybody did that was my age back in the like 90s, you know, especially early 90s. Dude, everybody had a tub of action figures, first of all, everybody. And, you know, 30% of it was wrestling action figures. Hulk Hogan, Jake the Snake, Macho Man, Razor Ramon. Then you got like the, you know, the video games. There were some sweet wrestling video games back in the day too. I don't know if it was like Sega, I think probably was some of the better ones. So anyways, obviously a lot of news to get to today, but I wanted to get that out there. Also don't have uh, as much time today because um, I don't usually hit my snooze alarm for very long. You know, it's usually like 10 minutes, 15 at the very most, 35 minutes today. And it was one of those things where I'm like delusional. I don't even, like, I I know that I'm hitting snooze and I can see what time it is, but I'm making stuff up, you know, you're so tired. You're like, oh no, that's a different alarm, man. That's like an emergency alarm for like um, my coyote hunting job. And I'm not going to that today, so um, that doesn't count. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not waking up for that. You know what I mean? Like just weird. But you want to let, let me tell you how how exhausted um, and and brain dead I am. Just to give you an idea of how bad this is going to go today. I'm making a big old thing of instant coffee. What do you need to stir up the instant coffee? A spoon. Went in the drawer, grabbed a big giant spoon because I, I got the massive mug today. I want to get a big spoon. I'm stirring it up and I'm hitting something. What the heck is that? And how did I not notice there was something in this? This is gross. Am I going to have to throw this out? What is in here? You know what was in there? A spoon. A spoon was in there because I already got a spoon and stirred it up. And then I went back to the drawer, got a spoon and started stirring again. That's how brain dead I am right now. That's not normal. Have you ever wondered to yourself, I wonder if none of this is real and somewhere out there is me in an insane asylum? You ever wonder that if I just like snapped and went crazy? And um, I'm just imagining this life. And that's why weird stuff like this happens that shouldn't be happening in a real world. Because it's all made up anyways. You ever think about that? I don't either. Um, All right. So we'll start off with Packers news and see how far we get. Talking about some of the other stuff that went on. First of all, let's talk about what didn't happen. We did not get any clarity on the Aaron Rodgers situation. Um and I'm to the point now where I'm, I'm kind of out of ideas. I mean, I shouldn't say that. I'm, I, I have too many ideas, and I've seen a lot of theories thrown around, and I don't think any of them make sense. Even mine doesn't make sense anymore. So I'm kind of just, I'm, I'm a free agent on this issue. JJ pitched me idea. I'm not, I don't really buy that, but um, 
again, I don't buy any of it. Nothing makes sense right now. Um, a lot of the theories, his included, circle around having to do with leveraging Devante. But I just don't see, I don't see that. Because he is actively, well, there's a couple things. One of the ideas that I'm starting to think is a possibility, um, just based on the fact that it makes more sense than anything else at this point, is that there actually is a deal in place. It's been signed, we just don't know what it is. And so our understanding of what the cap is, is just wrong. And the Packers know how much space they have. And, and I've, I mean, I kind of said that before. They generally know, but maybe there's just some details that they're trying to iron out or whatever. But it's, it's a matter of like one or two million. But the Packers know, like we have X amount of, of space available right now. But outside of that, um, we're at the point where we're actively hurting the team. If there's just no deal signed whatsoever, and we have no idea, and the Packers are operating from a standpoint of, there is no space in the Aaron Rodgers deal as of this moment. First of all, I don't buy that because it just means we're going to have to cut more players. Rodgers doesn't want that. Presumably, he is taking a massive pay cut so that we can bring on more players. What is the point of saying, I'm about to sign a a deal that's going to bring my cap hit down because I want to come back to a stacked team. But before I do that, I'm going to make sure we gut this team to the core so that Devontae gets this massive deal. And the, the, apparently the thought process behind that is if I don't sign, they won't be able to clear enough cap space to tag Devontae, and so they'll have to release him, which again doesn't make sense because all that's going to do is mean that Devontae plays somewhere else. So it's not even about bringing Devontae or any... So I, I, nothing about that really makes uh, sense to me. Beyond that, it, it makes it harder to nego- negotiate a contract with Devontae because if they want to offer $27 million a year, they certainly can't do it under the current cap situation. And the complication with that is, um, as somebody pointed out on Twitter, which I had to do some sleuthing and turns out it's true, um, the Packers did offer a franchise tag to Devontae, which you know he didn't sign and that's a whole thing in and of itself. But even if he were to sign it, what we offered Devontae or, or put on Devontae or however you phrase that is a non-exclusive franchise tag, meaning... Um, if a team wanted to, they can come in and say, we're going to offer him $30 million. And the Packers basically can say, all right, we will offer him $30 million and take him back, or he's gone. So it's a pretty tenuous situation right now. And the Packers need as much flexibility and, and ability to negotiate as is humanly possible. So um, again, for me, the thing that makes the most sense is they do have a deal in place. Whether or not that's been officially signed based on a couple details, I don't know. But I think the Packers are operating from a standpoint of we know that that Rodgers will sign, or at least or probably has signed, but if not, will sign. And we know how much flexibility you have with the, with, with the you know, like a million dollar difference in contingencies based on certain situations. And, and maybe, again, maybe that has to do with how many guys we can bring back. So for example, we got Devondre, right? We brought back, back Preston. Maybe these are the kinds of things where Rodgers offered additional flexibility based on the ability to bring back some of these guys. And so that'll kind of, you know, in other words, once we get down to it, as in tomorrow, because it's going to have to be done by tomorrow, because, you know, if it's not, again, the Packers have no choice but to just cut everybody. There's a lot more work to do. I don't, I don't even know how we get, if Devontae and Rodgers aren't done, I don't even exactly know how we get below our, our current cap situation. Rodgers has to sign, and I'm sure the Packers know he will. And again, if they know he will, they generally know what the structure is which means they know generally how much space they have to operate with. Because as of right now, Ken Ingles has us at $26.4 million over the cap. Now, we've, I think we've shed, um, what is it, like 47-ish million? So we basically did it, but we also signed some people. So there's, there's money, you know. But we have until 3 o'clock Central tomorrow to free up $26.5 million. Here's the list of things Ken Ingle says we can do, um, not including Adams and Rodgers. Extend Jair Alexander. He's at, I think he's at 13 million right now. So what does that go down to? Maybe five? Maybe, I don't know. So we can maybe free up eight-ish? I'm not entirely sure, but I, I just, I don't even think it gets down that low. I, you know, if we're talking about signing this guy to a massive, I don't even, what, what, what's he going to get? 20 million a year? It's going to be huge. And, and by the way, I don't think that gets done. If it does, that's, that's an absolute miracle just because usually big time extensions are not done until like the start of the new year 
I mean, these are long negotiations that go on and barely get done, you know, right before the, the beginning. If, if, if this gets done already, then it's, they really, um, and especially since they're in such a tough cap situation, they're not really in a position to just offer like the Cadillac plan. So they, there's got to be a lot of back and forth. I don't know that Jair gets done before tomorrow. I, I would be shocked if it is done before tomorrow. Um, so you've got Randall Cobb, which, by the way, I'm completely stunned that he's still on the team. And it leads me to believe that he's not going anywhere, which it is infuriating to me. No, no disrespect to Cobb, but it just, it wasn't a great idea to bring him on last year. It was something to appease Rodgers. And apparently the Packers have decided in order to continue to appease Rodgers, we can't get rid of Cobb. That's stupid. That's stupid to me. Randall Cobb is the most obvious cut on this entire team. He's counting $9.5 million against our salary cap right now. We could save $6.7 million. That is one of the biggest cap savings we, we are able to find, period. I mean, again, you got maybe Jair. I don't know if we can even get that much out of Jair. But you got uh, Randall, maybe, possibly. I don't know. I don't, again, it's another one. I don't know what you even get it down to. He's at 20. Are we saying we're going to get it down to 14-year? I don't know. You got Rodgers for sure. Bakhtiari, some of the other big contracts, but th- this is this is a big chunk of money, and I understand we're in a tough way with um, wide receivers. Maybe we're trying to get other deals done because we need somebody. So Randall stays unless and until we can get a deal done with either MVS or Alan Lazard. Possibly, I don't know, but please get a deal done with Lazard and and move on from Randall Cobb. But I'm really starting to think that they know MVS is gone. They're not positive about Alan Lazard. And even if they can bring back Alan Lazard, they're not in a great spot to just be cutting wide receivers. But geez, man, I don't know. And, you know, we drafted Amari. This is this is very similar to the Aaron Jones and um, A.J. Dillon thing, except the part where Randall Cobb is not Aaron Jones. But, you know, we, we this is the point where we move on from Aaron Jones, right? We it, It's a sad thing, but we understand it. You don't pay running backs, right? We drafted the replacement. We did the right things. And so we're in a position to do the right thing. So let's do the right thing. And then they pay Aaron Jones, and it's like, well, that that was not the right thing, but okay. Again, I'm not super mad about it, but it's just it's just a confusing thing, and we're in that position again. Well, Amari wasn't good. So what? Neither was Aaron, A.J. Dillon, aside from one he had barely played. People want to act like they just knew he was going to be as good as he is. The guy couldn't get on the field. There was concern. But at the end of the day, it wasn't about knowing that he's good. It's about this is what you do this for. This is why we did it, and, and it's, it's sink or swim time. We drafted for this position. We have a guy that is cheaper, that is you know more athletic, that is all these things, and it's time for him to rise up and take the spot as our slot guy slash all these other gadgety things that we're doing. It's time to do that. Get a deal done with Alan Lazard for cheaper than $9.5 million, please. Move on from Rand. And again, maybe that's going to happen, but I'm, just, I'm looking at this like you're, you guys aren't going to cut him, are you? That's crazy. And again, I, I hate to sound, you know, like that, but it's just, I love Randall, but this is not smart. This doesn't make any sense. 9.5 million? What did Randall Cobb do last year? Other than help get Rodgers back, I don't know that it was a ton. Anyways, um, aside from that, you've got uh, Adrian Amos, restructure, extend, or cut. Dean Lowry, restructure, extend, or cut. Uh, Mercedes, Mercedes Lewis. Oh yeah, Mercedes Lewis, $2.4 million to cut. And then uh, Crosby. Lowry is another one that kind of surprises me, but not as much. Lowry, just because we would save a decent chunk of money. Um, but I at least understand that from the standpoint of, well, I guess it's very similar to the Randall Cobb situation. You're worried about depth, but um, I just I, I would say Dean Lowry is more important than Randall Cobb for this team. So, I mean, there's, there's plenty of moves to be made here, but you got to take a big swing somewhere because, again, I don't think there's enough here between Cobb, Amos, Lowry, Lewis, and Crosby to get us under where we need to be. And I don't think Alexander's getting done. I hope it is, but I would doubt it. So there has to be some, and I don't think Adams is getting done. So Rodgers has to sign, and I, I don't think the Packers are even super worried about it, but I don't know. I will be asking at some point your theory on what is going on because I'm not entirely sure. But, again, what makes the most sense to me is they – they have a deal that's in place. And we just don't know what it is. So in other words, $26 million that we still have to shed is inaccurate. We just don't know what Rogers' deal looks like. And I think Lazard, yeah, Lazard is a restricted free agent, which means they just have to tender him, which is another thing where it's like, why haven't you just done that? I guess maybe because they're trying to work out some kind of a longer deal. I don't know. 
It says here that a second round tender is $3.9 million, which is what they'd have to use. So yeah, you know, maybe that's sort of a last resort thing. They're trying to work out a contract. And if it doesn't get done, then we're offering a second round. And nobody's going to give us a second round pick for Lazard. And to be honest, if they do, sweet, I'll take that. But nobody's going to do that. But again, we know he's not going anywhere. So just get rid of Randall Cobb. I don't know. Anyways, um, so that's it. We don't have any news on uh, Jair and Devontae, and I don't expect any. Rogers news, I would expect. Um, that may be down to the wire, just based on, you know, again, if, if what I'm saying is true, that either a deal has been done and they just don't feel like telling us, or um, a deal hasn't been done because we're trying to leave open a little bit of flexibility, then they're going to go down to the, the last minute with these negotiations to figure out which exact deal they're going to be signing. Um, but I, does Rogers have to be like in Probably not, right? You can fax stuff or whatever, PDF things. I would just be worried if you, if you, because I would think the deal would have to be officially official, otherwise you're in big trouble. So, you know, by like noon on Wednesday, we better get the process started of making sure that there's, you know, Rogers isn't stranded somewhere with no internet. Or better yet, can you please be in the building Wednesday at noon so we can get this signed officially, so we can get this over to the league office? If the deal has already been signed, it's possible <laughs> there is a scenario in which Wednesday at three rolls around and we're having a panic attack saying, dude, we didn't get there. We're, we're, we're doomed and everybody's in panic mode. And it's like, oh no, it's, he signed his deal a long time ago. We're, we're completely fine. But what did happen yesterday? Well, we learned that Zadarius Smith is officially going bye-bye. Um, there's some talk about, you know, I think Bukowski or whatever was talking about that things were actually pretty toxic. So it was a bad, it doesn't matter, right? We, we couldn't resign him. We were never going to resign him. He's gone. You know, glad we had him. Great situation while he was here, um, but that was always going to happen. So best of luck to Zadarius. It's a lot of talk about him possibly going back to um, Baltimore. I don't know. All I know is the dude's probably going to get a massive amount of money. I think he's going to get massively overpaid based on what he did here, and good. I like Zadarius. I think he's a great dude. He was great for Green Bay. He was great for our locker room. He changed the culture here, or at least participated in changing the culture here, which is fantastic. So um, if somebody is going to overpay him, good. I hope they do. Um, Razul Douglas, no deal has been done, and I don't think a deal is going to get done with Razul Douglas. Um, there was a lot of talk early on that it sounds like something is going to get done with Razul, and it's this big thing. And then, you know, Razul started putting a bunch of cryptic stuff on Twitter, but it seemed to all allude to the fact that no chance. He had one tweet that was like, I don't know where you guys are getting your news from. In other words, all the reports were bogus. He had another tweet that said something to the, the effect of, they can't even get close to me. Maybe that wasn't referring to the Packers. Maybe it was, but it just gave out the vibe that that wasn't going to happen. Furthermore, the the bigger need for Green Bay or priority for Green Bay was always Devondre Campbell, and a deal was done. And we'll get to that in a minute. But um, I think with Devondre getting done... It, Probably was an either-or situation, and I think um, Razul was kind of second place in that. And, and again, I think he's going to get massively paid, and, and massively, in my opinion, overpaid. Maybe a deal still gets done. I don't know, but I just, I'm thinking not so much. Um, Marcos Valdez-Scantling has not found a team yet. I haven't heard a ton about it. I've heard a lot about, you know, he's got a big market and some teams that are probably interested in him, but nothing official yet. Um Wide receiver market has been absolutely insane, which, you know, kind of puts the Packers in a decent spot outside of Devontae. Because while everybody else is is going nuts, it's it's a it's a decent year in the draft for wide receivers. So if your plan or if or if you're just poor, if it's not really a plan, but if your plan is to just kind of ride out with the guys you've got, you know, MVS is gonna walk. Hopefully we find a way to make it work with Devontae, which I'm becoming more skeptical by the day. Man, would I be so happy if in the next two days they just work something out with Devontae. I mean, he's playing super hardball right now, but it really would be nice if they could just hammer something out here. Um, I mean, I I know I mentioned the uh, non-exclusive tag and all that, and teams technically come in and swoop in and, and offer him money, but uh, the compensation also has to include two first-round picks. And although I think the, a team would be willing to maybe offer a first-round pick as well as the compensation for Devontae, I don't think they would go so far as two first-round picks. I could be wrong, but I, I think they would be safe with the exclusive. Um, in other words, the, the, the only non-exclusive tag you'd probably need to use is like a quarterback, maybe some premier pass rushers, you know, if it came to that. But I think Devontae's safe with the non-exclusive tag. 
it would, it would just be great if they could just dig deep and find, you know, I mean, obviously, obviously we're beyond the point where the Packers should even bother negotiating at about 25, right? That was, that was the whole thing. He wants like 27, but we shouldn't go above 25. I'm to the point now where I'm like, okay, let's, let's see if we can find 27 to give him. And again, I know that sounds stupid, but as we're watching the market adjust, you got to realize 20 million is nothing for a wide receiver these days. It means nothing. So 25 is like, you're a really good receiver. It's not top of the mark. The problem is, I don't know if 27 is enough to get it done with, with Devontae anymore. <laughs> but, but then, you know, as you go higher, you start to think about it, and it's like, you know, could we get by without him? I, I know that, that the Packers are not going to even accept that as an option. And I, I don't have any doubt, you know, because we've been through this too many times where you look at the number and you say, that's too much. And then they do it. And you're like, that was stupid. We're doomed. And then in a couple of years, you look at it and go, that's not that bad. And I think that that's kind of where we're at. Um, the, the only problem is, you know, you, you've got, and, and again, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is getting top of market money because that's what Aaron Rodgers said, but maybe he is. But even still, um, you're going to be paying um, Jair top of market money for a cornerback. You paid David Bakhtiari top of market for tackle. You paid Kenny Clark top of market for defensive tackle. I mean, we, we there's only so many guys that you can pay big time money to. Even if you got them staggered by a year, they're all going to end up being on the cap, and they're all going to be taking some really big cap hits. And we're going to get to the point where we cannot afford these guys. And you got to figure out how to stagger them enough, which includes getting rid of guys. There has to be an exit involved, right? You know, once Jair's hits. And we got to now sign Rashawn to his big one, and Jair's is about to hit, and Kenny's is high, and ba- and Bakhtiari's is high, and Devontae's is now starting to spike. We got to start looking at exits for guys like David Bakhtiari, and exits for guys like, I, I can't even say Kenny because he's still young. He's going to be young for another 40 years, I think. I think he's still like five years old. I'm not positive. So it, it I don't know. It, it gets to be complicated, but I, I, Although I don't understand it, I'm still confident that the Packers have it in their mind that Devontae is a part of our long-term vision. There was a rumor, by the way, that uh, the the holdup for this is that the Packers are not willing to commit to Devontae long-term. I'm calling BS on that right now. There's no chance in the world they're trying to offer him a short-term contract. That doesn't even make sense. Now, maybe it's the structure of the long-term contract that Devontae doesn't like. In other words, it could be a five-year deal that's really like a two-year deal. And Devontae sees that and he's like, baloney. I'm, I, I want more guarantees of years. And the Packers have a hard time doing that because they're like, no, we're, we're going to give you five. It's going to be massively front-loaded. And by year three, maybe year four, we can easily get out of your contract. That's just the way we... It doesn't mean we have to get out. It doesn't mean you're... Go, I mean, you're under a contract for five years. But if, you, if your play declines or whatever, we can move on. And even from a player standpoint, I don't know why you wouldn't like that if I may continue down these random rabbit holes. Think about it. If, if you get... If somebody said... Let's say that this is how your contracts worked at your job. And they're like, we're going to hire you for five years. However, we're going to basically pay you most of that, or if not all of that in the first two years, and we might let you go after that, and then you can go make some more money somewhere else. So you're going to get five years of compensation in two to three years, and then you can go make money somewhere else in your fourth year, or possibly even your third year. Okay, sweet. (laughs) Right? Especially if, you know, if, if, if it was like a $100,000 job, you know, or, or whatever good compensation is for you. I'm just setting that as a benchmark. Most people would be happy with a six-figure job. It's 100 grand a year for five years. But we're going to give you like 300 grand up front. Just put it in your pocket. And then you get another 100 grand next year. So you're getting 400 of the 500 in the first two years. And uh, in the third, it's possible that by the time we're basically just not paying you anymore because you've already got all your money, we'll probably just fire you. And then you can go somewhere else. Like, oh, shucks. <laughs> You can give me four hundred grand in two years, and then let me go find a new job. Gee, Willikers, that's uh, that's that's rough. I don't know. I whatever. Sounds like the structure for me. But um, yeah. So continuing on with what we started with, There's a lot of names here with no clarity. Um, Randy Ramsey, Oren Burks, Malik Taylor, Lucas. Pa- uh, yeah, Lucas Patrick, Chris Barnes, Kingsley Kiki is a uh, Houston Texan. That was that happened a while ago. Nothing on Kevin King yet. Um, you know. I think there might be a misconception that I genuinely dislike Kevin King. I don't dislike Kevin King at all. Again, all I really wanted to do was rein in the idea, and this was many years ago, back when the fan base loved Kevin King. You got to understand, there was a time when Kevin King, for the most part, was beloved by this franchise, by the fans. People said, when healthy, which is my favorite phrase in the world, when healthy, he's a great cornerback. 
And everybody tried to convince me of that. And I kept saying, no, he's not. No, he's not. No, he's not. And because I was on the forefront of that, I was kind of loud about the fact that Kevin King was not great. Once the fan base figured it out, I kind of backed off. I'm not just trying to pile on a guy. I just was trying to hammer home a point that everybody wanted to fight me on. So I'm not anti-Kevin King at all. Um, I don't even have a problem if we end up hanging on to Kevin King. I, th- I thought he did a great job last year for, you know, for what it was, you know, in the slot or whatever. I thought he did a good enough job. But if he goes on and makes banks somewhere, I'm, I'd be completely happy for him. You know, it did, certainly didn't pan out the way that we hoped it would. You know, the, the, the height, the speed, the, the athleticism, all that stuff. I was hoping he'd be more. Didn't really work out. The injuries were brutal for him. I'm not using that as an excuse, but I'm just saying it, he lost a lot of playing time as well. Which is probably why he's not going to get a bunch of money somewhere. But just want to clear that up because he may be no longer a Packer very soon. So I want to I want to at least clear the air. And also, if he gets re-signed to the Packers, I don't want to see anybody tagging me on Twitter, especially if you're going to tag him too, saying, you know, Pack Daddy's furious right now or whatever, because that is not the case. Unless he gets signed for a massive amount of money, then I'd be a little upset. But anyways, um, the, the two biggest things that happened for the Packers here real quick before we have to take a little break. Preston Smith was signed. Um, he, had, he had posted a couple days ago on, on Twitter, uh, 4L, which I didn't know what that meant. Everybody's doing the big eyeball emojis. I'm like, what the heck is 4L? And everyone's like, it means for life. And I'm like, you know, I'm not retweeting that because I feel like you might be making that up. Maybe it's like a common thing and everybody knows 4L means for life, but I don't know that to be true. And I'm certainly not going to run with this because these guys put up so much nonsense on Twitter and social media and whatnot. No way in the world am I buying into 4L means for life, which means he signed a contract for life. Which, by the way, for life, really? Preston signed a contract for life. Sure enough, four-year contract extension, which means five years total for Preston Smith. That is a for-life contract. This via the article uh, written by Mr. Zach Cruz. The four-year contract extension signed by Green Bay Packers edge rusher Preston Smith includes a $12 million signing bonus, low base salaries for the first three seasons, big roster bonuses in each of the next two years, and pay-as-you-go structuring, which is my favorite for a guy like Preston Smith, who's not afraid to work for his money. I think for the majority of last year, I called him Preston pay-me-my-money Smith or something to that effect, but I'm all for that. If Preston is motivated for money, and he's like, you know, if, if you just put a bunch of scraps out there, like, we're, you know, we're, here's what we're going to pay you. But here's what you can get if you just go nuts. Which, by the way, I would be fine if every player was structured this way, but I, I think players generally don't like that. But if Preston's cool with it, I'm cool with it. Because he's like, dude, I have got a gear in me that you don't even understand. I can dig so deep if it means millions of dollars in my pocket. And the Packers are like, yep, we're doing that for sure. <laughs> Uh, continuing on, Smith's base salary stays under $6 million in 2022, 2023, and 2024, which, <laughs> I mean, again, it's, it's base salary, but my goodness. The team put in a $7.5 million roster bonus in 2023 and a $5.4 million roster bonus in 2024, confirming the year-by-year structuring. The extension drops Smith's cap number from 19.72 blah, blah, blah million to $11.46 million for a total savings in the cap in 2020 of $8.26 million. Um, now, am I concerned about regression from Preston Smith? Yes. Preston Smith was very, very good last year. In fact, I think he was underrated for how good he was. However, it was clearly an outlier. And generally, people uh, tend to regress back to the mean. And in fact, he it was a massive outlier. Now, granted... 2018, he had a similar thing, but th- this is kind of the problem. So he- here's his career in Washington. 64, 63, 63, 76. Why did he explode? Probably because it was a contract year, and he knew that he had to put on a show to get the money. So he got the money from Green Bay. What happened? 66, 55 for the next two years until money's on the line and then an 81.5 overall grade. In the final years, he seems to do really well. Otherwise, in non-final year contract year deals... Um, his grades have been 64, 63, 63, 66, and 55. That's not wonderful. And so, yes, my concern is that there's going to be some form of massive regression. In fact, in 2020, Preston Smith was downright bad at football, like real bad. His pressure rate was 6.5%, which is terrible. Now, you're, you're free to say, well, Joe Barry came in. Maybe that has a big part of why Preston Smith exploded. I certainly hope so. Believe me, I'm not rooting against Preston Smith. We know that he has the ability. 
Last year, 63 pressures. Let me do the math here. 63 on uh, 457 attempts, 11.5%. I will take 11.5% and nine sacks all day, every single day of my life. By the way, his run defense grade was a 75, which, you know, again, outside of 2018 and 2021, has never been that good, although that was kind of his thing. Like, well, he's good off the edge as a, as a run defender. 55, 59, 59, 61, 64 are his grades outside of those two good years. So... um Am I concerned? Yes, because regression to the mean is my expectation. People have outlier years. Sometimes it's outlier in the negative. Sometimes it's outlier in the positive. But you get a general understanding of what they are, which is to say, uh, let's see, what, five of his seven years? He's had a very consistent track record out of five out of seven years. I expect him to regress and then just hope I'm wrong. Um, or, or if he does regress, regress back to one of the better years. Uh, 2019 in Green Bay, 62 pressures, 456 attempts, which is almost identical in 2021. He had 63, 457 compared to 62, 456. It's literally one less pressure on one less attempt. So I don't even need to do the math. It's 11.5%. But he had 15 sacks that season in 2019. So if you wanted to, because granted, really the only difference between 2019 and 2021 is how much better against the run he was. Pressure-wise, it was the exact same. Nearly identical grades. Oh, by the way, coverage. His coverage grade, which none of us should care, was a 48 in 2019 and a 69 in 2021. So his coverage and run defense were significantly better. Pass rush was identical. So if we wanted to, we could say 2020 was the outlier for Green Bay. Maybe let's do that. Let's just say that. That makes me feel better about the situation. 2020, for whatever reason, was an outlier. That's what we're running with. So long as we never see 2020 Preston Smith again, I'm happy with it. Um, But I I was asked how I generally felt about that. And my thought is, look, if we're going to run it back, we got to run it back. Um, You know, we can't bring back everybody. And there are some really good decisions, some necessary things, and some completely bad decisions, like Zedarius would be a bad decision. But I don't know that you can get to the point where you gut a position, you know, especially something like edge rusher. I, I don't know how confident you can be in our ability to run it back. You know, again, we're going to have to make cuts. We're going to have to make some tough decisions. But you have to at least bring back a team that you know is capable of competing. And if it's just Rashawn, and I love Rashawn, um, you run the risk of, of gutting a little bit too close to the bone. You know what I mean? And so now that you got Preston and Rashawn, you can kind of look at it and say, at least we have the building blocks. That's not to say we, we're not going to draft another edge rusher or go out in free agency and find another Whitney Merciless or whatever, or, or possibly just bring back Whitney Merciless. I don't know. But the point is, at the very least, even if we get into the draft and we intend to draft an edge rusher, but the, the numbers and the, 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 the board just doesn't really fall our way until maybe like the sixth round, until we finally get a guy, you know, we intended to, but it just didn't work out, we'll survive. Because we have Preston and we have Rashawn and we have, you know, a couple other guys that we, we believe in and we like, and we'll just roll with what we got and hope for no injuries. But, you know, if it's just Rashawn, now we're in, we're desperate for an edge rusher. Not just for talent, but for depth. I mean, we're, we're in serious trouble, and we, and we are a Rashawn injury away from not being able to compete. And we just, we don't want to put ourselves in that situation. So, um, again, I'm, 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 I'm on board with it. I'm leery about regression, but other than that, um, I think it was a necessary move for the Packers, and I'm, I'm happy for Preston and for the team. And, and likewise, very similar reaction and thoughts on Devondre Campbell. Um, as I mean, I've been saying this for a while now, there is concern on my part about regression. Now, if I had to choose, and I've said this too, between Devondre Campbell and Razul Douglas, I'm taking Devondre Campbell for a couple reasons. Number one, it's easier to paint a picture in which Devondre doesn't regress than it is for Razul Douglas. Because again, and, and I, I don't mean to completely demean Razul Douglas, because I'm sure he was great outside of just this, but if you take away the picks and the pick sixes, I don't think he was quite as good, and I think those things go away. So strip those away and then look at Razul and say, what did he give you? I don't think he's nearly, you know, his PFF grade, all, all, all the, the hype and the excitement, it, it goes down. Again, he did fine. It's not like he gave up a bunch of touchdowns but also had a bunch of picks, but I, I, I think automatically we have to strip those out. It's not going to repeat. With Devondre, it's a little bit easier to understand. And he even said when he came here, he's like, this is just, this system just works for me. The, the systems I was in before, they tried to make me do other stuff that I just wasn't 
equipped to do. They want me to do other things outside of just being a linebacker. And I just want to be a linebacker. And he came here. And again, we, we've got a linebacker coach as a defensive uh, coordinator. So if there's one specialty he has, it's linebacker. So they found a guy that was a good fit for the system. They asked him just to do these things. And it frees up Devondre to be able to do just these things. Now, with that said, it's still a massive outlier what he was able to do. Here are his grades in his career. 55, 69, 56, 50, 49, 85. He went from one of the worst linebackers in football to one of the best performances we've seen. And remember, I was saying that this performance is, is on par with like guys like Luke Keekley, some of the best linebacker performances we've seen. When you look at an 81 run defense grade, a 90 tackling grade, a 73 pass rush grade, and an 82 coverage grade, there have been like two or three linebackers to ever hit those marks in the last five year or, or, or more years. And it is the, it's like the Bobby Wagner's, Luke Keekley's, and that's it. Nobody puts up numbers in coverage and run defense with overall grades as high as he's got. It just doesn't happen. And for a guy who has been a terrible linebacker to suddenly become one of the best linebackers in football, and you're asking me what's more likely, he stays up, he stays one of the best linebackers, not just of the season, but of the last 10 years, or he regresses back to what he was a little bit more. Now, Obviously, the Packers have had these thoughts as well, and there was enough consistency throughout the season to... Now, granted, weeks one through seven is where he did most of his his damage. I mean, he was just dominant weeks one through seven. Then he started to fall off, but he at least ended on somewhat of a high note. So he started off the season with a 68. After that was an 80, 72, 84, 80, 71, and 88. Basically dominant the entire seven weeks. Then it was 51, 62, 69, so three not 70 days in a row. 69 is close enough, but whatever. And then he had 71, back down to 48, his worst game of the season against L.A. Then he had a 79, but then back down to a 67, 64, then an 85 against Minnesota, and then down to a 70 against San Francisco, which, I mean, not down, I mean, 70 is fine, but, you know, it was, it was after week seven that it was kind of, eh, whatever. Now, granted, even if you look at after week seven via PFF, he was still the 13th highest ranked uh, linebacker with a 71.6 overall grade, which I will accept. And you know what? Let's let's just say that's what he is. Let's say the first seven weeks, that level of high-level play and consistency is unlikely. But let's say from weeks eight through the end of the season is kind of a little more what you can expect. We're still talking about a top 20 linebacker who had, granted, it was a 57 run defense grade, which is not great, but still one of the better tacklers. And by the way, he's always been good at that. His, his run defense and coverage grades have been garbage, but his tackling grade has been like a 90 since forever. So we know he's an elite tackler. But um, he had a 57 run defense grade, a 79 pass rush grade, a 72 coverage grade. And that's my other concern is, do we really think his coverage is going to stay high? That makes me nervous too. But if we can just get this version of him, I'm okay with it. But my biggest concern is him falling back into the 50s, which is where he lived for like five years. But again, um, I, I'm, I'm trying to stay optimistic about this. And, and at the very least, again, I, I 1,000%... I'm I'm 1,000% confident that there will be regression. It's just a matter of how much. It's the same thing I said about Preston, and I was right. Despite the fact that he won, you know, uh, or went to the Pro Bowl that next year, and his sack numbers were high, there was clear regression for Zadarius in his second year, as was expected. Because his first year was so stupid. And it was completely unsustainable. It was one of the better pass rush performances. I mean, it was the best of the year. It was one of the better ones. I mean, again, you take the top guys... It's up there with Khalil Mack's best year ever, Von Miller's best year ever. I mean, it's just, it was unsustainable. And so there will be Devondre Campbell regression. If not, then we'll have to figure something out. I will happily eat my words in some, you know, maybe maybe it's Devondre Campbell jersey territory. I don't know. Still waiting to see if I have to buy an Aaron Rodgers jersey. I doubt it, um, but we'll see. I'm going to have a lot of jerseys by the end of this, but, um, well, actually, I don't think I'm going to have any jerseys. I don't think I'm buying a Rodgers jersey, and I don't think I'm buying a... um, Devontae Campbell jersey, but we'll see. But anyways, them's my thoughts on that. Um, and 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 by the way, again, I am happy. I really am. Um, with with if we lost Devondre, I would be a little bit sad. Losing Razul doesn't make me really sad at all. And again, we may not even be losing him, but that that just always made me so uncomfortable. I know most people are hell bent on no no no. He was an elite corner. He's going to stay an elite corner, and we'll kick Jair inside, and it's not a big deal. No, it's a big deal, dude. I just hate that. Now, uh, granted, you could have a situation where where there's two wide receivers, Jair is out there with either Stokes or Razul. I don't know which one. Again, 
causes complications when you have a talented first-round guy and then, you know, but also a guy we just paid a bunch of money. Who do you put on the bench? But either way, Jair's out there on the boundary. And then when there's three wide receivers, you put Jair in the slot. The biggest problem for me, though, is most of the number one wide receivers are going to be on the boundary. And we're saying, Jair, you have to not be on him anymore and go into the slot. And that sucks. Jair is not only our best corner, he's presumably, I don't know, it's only been one year and then he got hurt. Hopefully still one of the best corners in all of football. And to just say, eh, throw him in the slot. No, I'm sorry. I'm not doing that. It's not just about, well, get the best 11 on the field. It's not. I mean, that would be like putting Whitney Merciless, like if we had all four of our pass rushers, like just put Whitney Merciless at inside linebacker that we have all the best guys. I just want him to be on the field. Okay, in what capacity though? So, I don't know. Again, we'll see. But when you when you look at the expense that is going to be associated with Razul Douglas, presumably, I just I, I I'm I'm to the point where I'm just more comfortable with just not doing it because then then I don't have to worry about it. If we sign him, then it's like, oh no, what are we? How how is this going to work now? Now, from a depth standpoint, it's fantastic because if somebody gets hurt, it's like doesn't matter. We we got three number one corners. I couldn't care less. But you don't pay a guy to sit on the bench as depth, right? That's doesn't well. I mean, we're not paying Stokes, so I guess that's still doesn't matter. I don't care. Anyways, we need to take a little break. Short on time, but again, head over to the Facebook group. Uh, there is a GoFundMe over there. Pinned to the top of my Twitter is a GoFundMe. If you guys have a little bit of extra whatever, you know, got a little bonus at work, a little St. Patrick's Day bonus or whatever your 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 work is into, I don't know. If you fall into a little bit of good fortune, um, some people are kind of down on their luck right now, having some hard times, and uh, it would be great if we can kind of help get them where they need to be. Again, we're real close on uh, one of the campaigns, and we're about halfway with the other campaign. And I have uh, pledged to do this at least until the start of the year. And so I would love it if we could kind of get these closed out. I mean, we have a lot of time, but at this pace, it's not going to be there by the end of the year. So I'm hoping we can, we can, uh, hoping we can get that done and I can fulfill my pledge to, to get those filled out. Also, head over to amodernfrontier.com, buy you some meat. Just made a steak yesterday. I'm so happy about it. It was a, just a sirloin steak. Had really no expectations. I'm, 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 I love steak, but I never buy it because I can't afford it. But obviously, it comes in this beef box. So I'm starting at the lowest value steak that I can find, and I'm working my way up. And I'm like, well, this is probably the next best one because I have strip, filet, and uh, ribeye neck. And I, I don't even want to touch those because I'm so worried about messing it up. But I was blown away. Absolutely blown away. Um, basically with this one, all I did was put it right over the coals and just kept flipping it, kept flipping it, kept flipping it until I got that 135 internal. And I know it can carry over, but I just, I brought it in and ate it. I don't even care. Plus it was so thin that it was hard to get a reading on it. Thank goodness for that thermal pen being so on point because any of anything of lesser quality might've messed that steak up. Man, I brought that thing. Holy cow. Just salt and pepper, man. Just right over the coals. Just keep flipping it. And I think in the in the with the cold air actually kind of helps because I know one of the strategies is to like you know you pull it off the flame and you move it over to kind of like try to keep it cool as you kind of blast it, move it, blast it. You know, just just to slowly bring that temperature up, but also get a good sear on the outside. So kind of I left the lid off and just kept flipping it, so it kind of cooled the top as it was doing it. And it was I'm, I'm telling you, man, it was it was just a perfect medium rare all the way through, which is again, hard to do because it was such, it was two really thin cuts, but geez, that was, that was, I think that was the first time I've ever had a sirloin steak. And I'm, 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 I am a fan for sure, but, um, some real high quality beef. So, uh, be sure to check that out. Use promo code meatpacker, one word, all caps, get $25 off your order. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. 
Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So really don't have a ton of time here, but I want to run through some of the um, some of the other things that have happened here. Um, again, as I said yesterday, my my concern was that um, we would end up saying that the NFC is, has become competitive again. I don't know that that happened. Um, Tampa Bay ended up losing some players, especially along the offensive line, which is brutal because that's the biggest. When you are a team like the Packers, like the Chiefs, like Tampa Bay, um, like Cincinnati, when you're a team that is really built on high quality quarterback play and you damage the offensive line, let, let's be completely honest about the last two years. Aaron Rodgers, loss of talent along the offensive line, no David Bakhtiari, two years in a row, no Elton Jenkins, no Josh Myers, and now we found out Billy Turner was hurt in that game. It'll crush you, right? What happened a couple of years ago in the Super Bowl with, uh, with Pat Mahomes when he lost both of his tackles? He got embarrassed. So one of the bigger um, losses for Tampa and, and a massive gain for Cincinnati was Alex Kappa, the guard. And Tampa Bay ended up losing both of their guards. Um, but Alex Kappa went to Cincinnati four years, $35 million, 8.7 per year, $11 million guaranteed. And remember, Tampa Bay has still got a bunch of players out there. Pierre Paul, Sue, Gronk, Golston, Fournette, O.J. Howard, Ronald Jones, Richard Sherman. I mean... It, it's a it's a hefty list, and so far I'm looking at it saying, okay, who are these guys they're bringing back? You know, not just this, but are they going to go out and get anybody in free agency to build up this team, or is it going to continue negatively? The only free agent move so far is Alex Kappa. Uh, you look at Arizona. Arizona is one of those teams that maybe could kind of bolster itself, can kind of get a little bit better here and there. You know, figure it out. I don't know. Not super sold on their quarterback, but maybe, you know, he showed us what he could do with his legs in year one. He showed us what he could do with his arm in year two. Hasn't really been able to put all that together, but um, they've had just two negatives so far. Christian Kirk went to Jacksonville, which Jacksonville is just out of their freaking mind right now. But four years, $72 million, $18 million per year for Christian Kirk. We all saw $15 million per year and lost our minds. By the way, that's, that's I think, a minimum of $18 million per year. That can actually go up depending on, you know, certain things that he can hit or whatever. Um but Arizona also lost Chase Edmonds running back to Miami for a two-year, $12 million per year deal. So Arizona's going negative. Dallas so far, again, the only free agent move, Dallas to Miami, Cedric Wilson, wide receiver, three years, $22 million. Now, obviously, they also lost in a trade Amari Cooper. So they are down two wide receivers right now. One of them was a, um, one of them was a trade, and then Cedric Wilson Three years, $22 million, $7.3 million for a and basically unheard of number four wide receiver. But so far, Dallas has done nothing to add. They've all been subtraction. Even the Rams, who are obviously always known as a team that's constantly adding and adding and adding and adding so far, um, again, outside of the losses of guys like Von Miller and that, but just talking free agency right now, um, Sebastian Joseph went to the Chargers three years, $24 million. And then their guard, Austin Corbett, which again is not a small thing, losing offensive linemen, went to the Carolina Panthers. We don't have contract details on that yet, but they lost their guard, Austin Corbett. They lost defensive tackle, Sebastian Joseph. Uh, You look at San Francisco. First of all, they're about to lose their quarterback, right? They're moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo. That is a, you know, who knows? Maybe, Maybe they'll have success with their new quarterback. Maybe it'll be a disaster. I don't know. But aside from that, they also lost guard Lincoln Tomlinson, another guard. Now he's, you know, 30 years old, getting up in age, but... The Jets took him three years, $40 million. They also lost defensive tackle DJ Jones to the Denver Broncos, three years, $30 million. The one ad that they brought in was Charvarius Ward, cornerback, 
um, from the Kansas City Chiefs. So first of all, it's a negative for Kansas City, which is fine. Second of all, he's not that good of a corner, so I'm not that worried about it. But three years, $40 million. So that's one of the few additions that any NFC team that matters has done. And that's after two losses on top of, again, not even including their quarterback because we're just talking about free agency. Seattle, who just lost their quarterback, and it's not even worth bringing up. There's a couple teams I'm not even talking about because they're so NFC irrelevant. Um, And I think Seattle is that team right now. But even Seattle lost their tackle, Jamarco Jones, is the only thing that they've done. So people are just fleeing the NFC, and it went to Tennessee. They're (laughs) fleeing the NFC, going to the AFC. It's just, it's staggering to me. You look at Washington, right? Maybe Washington can kind of figure it out. Who knows? One of the best players on that team for many, many years is Brandon Scherf, which was never going to be able to be maintained because they just kept tagging the guy. But finally, Brandon Scherf is moving on. Fantastic football player goes to Jacksonville, who, again, is just doling out money left and right. But three years, $49.5 million, $16.5 million per year, which, you know, I think Jacksonville is kind of going over the top. I, I, I think when they first got started, I thought, good for them. You should go absolutely all in, and it should be all in on your offense because you got to get this quarterback and this thing humming. But at some point, you're just wasting money and you're being inefficient. You know what I mean? Um, you can probably find more people for less money and kind of stack more talent on your roster as opposed to going out and getting like five guys spending all your money, having no money left. So I, I, we'll see how this pans out, but I, I would be skeptical of their strategy to some degree. Um, Washington also got rid of defensive tackle Tim Settle to the Buffalo Bills. Again, two AFC teams, Jacksonville and Buffalo. Two years, $9 million, obviously $4.5 million per year. The only team that you could maybe look at and say, maybe they take a step, maybe they got a good quarterback, maybe they can figure it out, and they've gone in the addition column is the Philadelphia Eagles. And again, there's a lot of question marks. They're kind of an old blood team, the offensive line, defensive line in particular. A lot of their talent is guys that they're not going to be around much longer. But you look at the quarterback and go, maybe. Again, offensive line, defensive line, maybe. They, they got some maybes in there, and they added Hassan Reddick from Carolina. Now, I'm not the biggest Hassan Reddick fan in the world, but you add a pass rusher, three years, $45 million, 15 per year, and get some additional production there. But outside of you know uh, a Philly surprise, which again, I, I expect some NFC team to come out of nowhere because you know there's got to be some competition out there somewhere in the world. There isn't much. And then if we look over to the... Um, NFC North, Detroit has done nothing so far. Presumably, they're going to be doing a lot, but I mean, the, the, the flurry is kind of over with. The first, now there's still some big names out there, but a lot of that is, is done and they haven't done anything, which may be good, good on them because this is usually day one is overpay day. So, I mean, if they're going to continue to be uh, vigilant and prudent and whatnot, maybe it was smart to not participate. I'm sure they could have maybe gone for one guy, but whatever. Um, Minnesota has participated, but has largely gone in the negative um, they did add Harrison Phillips. They lost center Mason Cole to Pittsburgh, three-year, $15 million, uh, per year, uh, $15 million total, so 5.2 per year. And they lost safety Xavier Woods, which it's not a, it's not a, it's just not an NFL season without the Vikings losing a safety. But uh, Harrison Phillips was brought on three years, $19.5 million, so 6.5 uh, per year, uh, total guaranteed $13 million. He is a uh, 26-year-old former Buffalo Bill, spent four years out there, kind of up and down production from him. Last year was a 75 overall grade, which obviously is fine. Um, but the year before that was 66, but the year before that was 83, but the year before that was 64. So if, if that continues, this is supposed to be an off year, and then by next year, he'll have a good year. But um, not a very high production person. I mean, he is strictly a run defender, which is hilarious. It's a new regime, but they went out and got the same guys, right? Michael Pierce was a pretty strict run defender with with flashes of being able to do other things. But um, we're talking 52 total pressures in his career. He had eight in year one with no sacks. He had two in year two, only 77 total snaps, 46 pass rush. But that's still obviously terrible. Two pressures on 46 attempts and and one sack. Um, In 2020, 17 of 241. So, you know, again, quick math in your head, that sucks. Talking looks like 7%. And then last year looked to be his best year as a pass rusher with 25 pressures on 299 attempts, which is 8.3% and one sack. So he's never had more than one sack on a season. So, I mean, they're, they're just going out and getting a guy that's got some size and is a good run defender, and that's, that's pretty much it. And, and again, the Vikings are probably looking for guys that fit their scheme a little bit better than what they had before. 
But again, for minimal amount of money, so it's not a big deal. The, the one big move that shocked shocked the NFC North was the addition of Larry Ogunjobi to the Chicago Bears. This was a three-year, $40.5 million deal, averaging $13.5 million per year. I have been hard on their GM, right? And I even got into a spat with some Bears fans yesterday who tried to defend every single move that their GM has made, just laughing at them. Like, you're getting rid of all these guys and you're getting very little compensation. And it's it's understandable to a degree, but for every one of those moves, you're looking at it and going, it should have been a little better than that, right? The Minnesota Vikings defensive tackle is significantly better than Larry Ogunjobi. Larry Ogunjobi is, is terrible. He's just terrible. His first year in Cleveland, he had a 78 overall grade. That's fine. He had 12 pressures on 140 attempts, so slightly below 10%, and one sack. That was his best year ever. His grades since his 78 overall grade have been, in Cleveland, 60, 56, 51, 47. It is a straight nosedive. He has gotten significantly worse every year. Again, let me read that again. 78 to 60 to 56 to 51 to 47. Run defense grades, 83, 67, 60, 53, 34. Tackling grades, 78, 52, 51, 30, and 30. Hey, he stayed consistent for a year. That's great. Pass rush is the only one that's been consistent, um, and it's been consistently average to below average. 63, 58, 58, 56, 61. This past year, and, and here's the flashy stat for you, 41 pressures on 513 attempts, which is not good, but eight sacks. So he's, he's got relatively high sacks compared to any other form of production that the guy has. Eight sacks is a lot for, for anybody. But the fact of the matter is this guy is just the worst. He's, he's a mediocre pass rusher, but even his pressure numbers are relatively low. And he has got to be the worst run defender slash tackler in the NFL at his position. And it's not so much that they took a shot on a guy that they think would fit their scheme and is a decent pass rusher situationally, I guess. I mean, we're talking eight plays out of about 800 that he's going to, out of 800 snaps that the guy's going to take. It's the fact that he got 13 and a half million freaking dollars. If you want to drop 5 million bucks or 6 million bucks on this guy like the Vikings did, all right, whatever. 6 million bucks, you're changing your scheme. You got to find some guys that fit. You want to take a flyer on a potentially good pass rusher. Okay, fine. I don't care. 13 and a half? I'm sorry, dude. I'm, 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 uh, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't want to make any sweeping judgments on the Bears before they even do anything. But the fact is, they are doing something. And everything they're doing is like, you're getting a lot worse. And then, and then you look at the moves and it's like, all right, but you're getting worse before you got better. You know, you got to move on from Hicks and Mack. I don't think you had to get rid of, uh, I don't think you had to get rid of Goldman, but, you know, whatever. He's a nose tackle. You're switching to a 4 3. Maybe it just isn't going to work. And, and, he, and he took a year off for COVID and then took a, had a kind of a bad year because he took a year off, presumably. So, you know, and, and, and I guess he was lazy, according to Bears fans. So it just, he, he's not a good cult. We're trying to change the culture. All right. Well, I mean, that, that sucks, but fair enough. And then the first time you see them try to rebuild, they make probably the worst move in free agency. And I'm including Jacksonville in this. Jacksonville overpaid for good players. The Bears massively overpaid for garbage. Dara on Twitter, just, just to, just to kind of put a little bow on this, he, is, he does a lot of statistics type stuff. A lot of just information-based stuff, kind of similar to me, but he, he doesn't do a lot of commentary. Here's what Dara had to say after that. Trying to remove all bias here, but I genuinely cannot find a worse deal from day one of free agency than the Bears handing out three years, $40 million to Larry effing Ogunjobi. Let the polls era begin. So they free up all this money so that they can spend way too much money on a bad defensive tackle. Well, yeah, let's, uh, let's see how this goes. I'm excited to see what other moves they've got in place. Bears fans are convinced they've got about $140 million to play with next year. I don't know why they continue to say that. It's the dumbest thing ever, but that's, you know, it's one of those things where when you're really bad and everything you're doing is really stupid and everything is really horrible, you try to hang whatever banners you can find. And apparently that's the only silver lining they can find. Justin Fields might not suck. And as of today, which means nothing, we have $140-ish million for next year. Which, by the way, that number just went down because of Larry Ogunjobi and his deal, which is going to continue to happen because you're going to continue to sign guys and change, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That's, that's why you won't have that much money. By the way, the Packers have like $111 million next year. At least that was before all our signings. Again, it's a fake number. It's compl- everybody is rich next year, and everybody's s- stupid rich in two years. But, you know, teams tend to spend their money. 
that's what teams do. They don't. It's and I don't. I, I, I there's no words for that level of stupid. But um, I think I got it all, man. I don't know. I might have missed some stuff. But uh, just wanted to briefly look at at least the NFC. And again, outside of maybe the Eagles getting something out of a uh, with a pass rusher, and maybe their quarterback pans out, and maybe they didn't just completely, you know, because again, it's one of those teams that's trying to ascend as like a previous dominant era, which was a long time ago, is starting to decline. And so your talent is just getting old and leaving and all that stuff. But who knows? That's that. As of right now, I don't have too many better options in terms of who's going to be the surprise NFC team that really pops up. We'll see if there's a Deshaun Watson trade or whatever. I don't know. Even if there is, I'm not too super worried about it. Carolina, even with Watson, it's a terrible team. And that's assuming he doesn't get suspended by the NFL for a year or something. But uh, anyways, that was day one. Expect more moves from the Packers because they have to. Um, So today should be another flurry. Excited about that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.